the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And in today's episode, we have got a mis- mishmash of just kind of random stuff here for you. Uh, none of them tie in together at all. Uh, they're just, other than they're all animated, I guess, basically, or drawn, if you will. Uh, that's maybe the only thing, but really, we just had a couple different things that we wanted to do like for a long time i know uh the robin hood movie we're gonna be well sorry let me let me i guess i should bring it up (laughs) we're gonna be doing a full breakdown of the movie robin hood the 1973 disney animated classic the we're going to do a tv show review of the nickelodeon show david the gnome And then we are going to do a fan casting of a random comic book team called Youngblood, um, which probably not a lot of people know about them. They're from Image Comics. Mm -hmm. And John, maybe you'll kind of just give us a very brief overview when it's that, that time. Yeah. I will. Nothing, you know, there's not going to be a fun little through line on this episode. It's just random stuff. I mean, John and I both liked robin hood when we were kids i think didn't we both have it on our top 10 disney animated countdowns when we are when we did that episode i think i believe we did i know i did so i'm pretty sure i did um and we both appreciated david the gnome and we'll talk about that later as well and then youngblood yeah it's not one that we read too much when we were kids but it's a cool comic team um, and maybe we read a couple of it. I, I remember them for sure yeah. when I was younger. Basically, I put it on the list because the leader of Youngblood uses a bow and arrow like Robin Hood. True, true, true. Uh, Robin Hood uses it. I mean, that, there we go. There's a little bit of a tie. I don't know if I remember seeing David the Gnome use a bow and arrow. I'll say yes. I'll say probably. <laughs> yeah. One episode, it probably happens. So there we go. This is an <laughs> archery-themed episode for everybody. We're super excited to bring this archery episode to you. Uh, and John, we're taking it way, way back to the old, not the oldest year. I guess the oldest year we did was, was it 71 for Billy Jack? Yes. But So this is this is close to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. to our oldest year, um, 1973. Would you tell us all about that year? Yeah, this is why I like doing some of these older movies because we really get to dive Mm -hmm. back into the years before, you know, especially you and I were born. Uh, The movie came out November 8th, 1973. The Billboard Top 100 song of that week was a classic R&B song, Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight and the Pips. That's a fantastic song right there. Yeah, I was, I was, I was afraid it was going to be some ridiculous song I've never heard of, but no, I'm <laughs> glad it was a, a damn good one. Uh, actually, we we kind of hit a sweet spot. I did look at the at the week before and the week after, and they were definitely songs I was not familiar with. So we kind of hit that sweet <laughs> spot with this one where uh, a classic song landed. Uh, an album that was released that year, and probably one we will eventually get to on an album review. Uh, hoping that the podcast lasts that long. Uh, Dark mm. Side of the Moon uh, came out that year and was number one for only one week. 
but it remained on the Billboard Top 200 for 741 straight weeks from 1973 to 1988. Holy crap. Is that a record? I don't know if it's a record, but that's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, people people loved getting high and buying that <laughs> buying that album, I and think. Maybe the all of them were us. testing out the the wizard. Yeah, exactly. They're all <laughs> testing that out. Uh in 1973, this is just a weird fact that I found interesting. Uh the world's most isolated tree, which was in the middle of the Sahara Desert, it was hundreds of miles away from anything and it died when it was hit by a drunk driver. <laughs> what? I know. Are you fucking kidding me? That's terrible. I know. I know. Oh. It's <laughs> a fucking heartbreaking story. <laughs> oh. Speaking of drivers, uh, the 1973 version of The Gremlin, which was made by the AMC, American Mortal Corporation, mm-hmm. became available with denim seats by Levi. <laughs> That's, That's the 70s for you. Wow, that is so that is so <laughs> 70s. <laughs> All right, and that is some 1973 pop culture for you. All right, well, that's some good stuff other than the sad tree tree story. I guess now let's shoot our way, rob our way into Robin Hood, whatever you want to do. Oodalali. Oodalali there, thank you. All right, Robin Hood, released in 1973. This was directed by Wolfgang Reithermann. Uh, you don't really say it that way i doubt it but he also directed uh disney classics sword in the stone jungle book the aristocats uh and the rescuers so we probably talked about him on Mm -hmm. that episode um also a good bit of the writing and producer producing team worked on all of those movies pretty much that i mentioned before so i'm not going to run through all of them but so they all worked on some good disney classics uh and the i guess legendary animator he became legendary after this when he kind of broke away from disney don bluth was a character animator on this uh, movie. Nice. So this is, is one of those groups before he kind of all went off and did his own things, which we've mentioned him actually in a couple episodes now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Hood stars Brian Bedford as Robin Hood. Chances? You must be joking. That was just a bit of a lark, little John. And he was really in nothing else that I recognized, but he got a had a good British voice for this Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie so yeah i was happy with that uh monica evans played maid marion that's right only robin hood wears a hat like that she was also in the aristocats uh she was in the odd couple the movie and the tv show she played a, a character with a friend who actually the friend plays lady cluck uh in you know the odd couple show plays lady cluck in this one and i kind of forgot her name i forgot to write it down because lady cluck wasn't as big of a character in this one for me uh, her name was uh carol shelley Oh, Marion, don't look around, but I do believe we're surrounded. Oh, mercy. Carol Shelley, that's right. Now I've heard of Carol Shelley. Uh, but yeah, but they were both in, in The Odd Couple Show. Uh, Monica Evans, though, this was, strangely, I don't really know why, this was her last acting credit huh. of everything that she had worked on. So I just thought that was strange. I don't think she's passed yet. I think she's still alive. I guess she just stopped wanting to work. So I guess working for Disney just freaking done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Phil Harris does the voice of Little John. You know something, Robin, I was just wondering. Are we good guys or bad guys? You know, I mean, uh, are Robin the rich to feed the poor? We all know him uh, using the exact same voice as Baloo in Jungle Book, also another bear. Uh, He was also in the Aristocats, and he was Patu in Rockadoodle. So ah, we talked okay. to him there when he played the dog in Rocket Doodle. Yep. P. 
Peter Ustinov plays Prince John. To coin a phrase, my dear counselor, rob the poor to feed the rich. <laughs> Am I right? And Peter Ustinov uh, was in Logan's Run and the old Spartacus movie. Um, he also did a movie in 1968. Uh, that was the first time they ever brought Babar into animation. Oh. Um, and he had, uh, there was a Babar movie in 68 that he did the narration and all the voices for. So I thought that was cool. Cause I, I remember Babar, you know, I kind of remember the, the old cartoon, I mm-hmm. guess that came out in, I don't know, maybe it was the early, early nineties. And then I want to call out, call out Pat Buttram. He did the voice of Sheriff of Nottingham. We've talked about him multiple times in The Rescuers. Now, that's mighty thoughty of you, Witter Woman. The family that saves together pays together. Uh, and I think even some some other stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's kind of his voice has popped up, but he was also in Aristocats as well and Fox and the Hound. And he is just that classic old Disney Southern coot or whatever. <laughs> it's not a classic Disney film unless Pat Buttram and Phil Harris are in it. True. They're they're fantastic though. I mean their yeah. voices really are the voices of, you know, that that Disney generation. So we're into the movie and it opens up like a fairy tale. Uh, we get like a little book telling us around about Robin Hood. Uh, we see this rooster who is our narrator, and that's uh, voiced by Roger Miller. You know there's been a heap of legends and tall tales about Robin Hood. All different too. Well, we folks of the animal kingdom have our own version. It's the story of what really happened in Sherwood Forest. Who Roger Miller is um, first and foremost a musician. He's best known for the song King of the Road. Two hours of pushing broom buys an eight bedroom. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. Oh yeah. And we get these opening credits that kind of go along with a song that uh, Roger Miller is singing. It's the It's called Whistle Stop, I think is what the song is. Which Roger performed, Roger Miller performed a good bit of the songs in this album. Um, but I just have to call this out. Um, that song at the opening of this movie is part of internet legend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just, you know, the song as it was. It was sped up. They added some like techno beats to it or whatever, uh, and then put in a gif of a hamster uh, jumping up and dancing and whatnot. Yes, this song, though kind of meddled with, was used for the hamster dance. The hamster dance was awesome. It's one of our <laughs> earliest examples of an internet meme, and it's just it, it, that the problem is it's so freaking catchy. Now, I mean, I've pretty much had like in my head all day, <laughs> and it's just like it, it, I thought it was awesome, kind of just getting revisited into the nostalgia of that, uh, which that meme first surfaced in 1998. So that's been around for a long time. Yeah. 
What are <laughs> decided to come up with? Like, who came up with that and why? Yeah. I, but I, I mean, you can really say that about pretty much any meme. Yeah, God love the internet is all <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> Good stuff. Weird stuff, but it's just perfect. And so once we get into, you know, after the book and those titles, those titles take forever, yeah. by the way. I got yeah, I got so sick of wa- I got so sick of watching them, um, and once we get in there, we get a quick little song that introduces us to Robin and Little John, and uh, a little kind of a word thing Oodalali that we will hear throughout the entire sh- uh, movie. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodalali, oodalali, golly, what a day. Uh, we also see the sheriff. And it, overall, it's a pretty cute song. You know, mm-hmm. it's another Roger Miller singing it, just kind of getting us into the movie. Um, we see that little John's a little worried about what, just them getting caught. And I like his line where he mentions if, the, you know, are we the good guys or are we the bad guys? Because they are breaking the law and doing stuff, but they're doing it for a moral purpose, which is to steal from the rich and give to the poor. Pretty much as long as the rich have gotten it unfairly, mm-hmm. I think is the case. Yeah. Rob- and we see Robin is like super lax. Like he, he just doesn't give any fucks. <laughs> He's just kind of like, eh, whatever, man. You know, ah, don't worry about it. And they hear that these group of soldiers are kind of close. And so they decide they want to try and rob them and give that to the poor. And here we meet Prince John with all of his tax money that he has gotten from taxing towns of England. And we also meet his sidekick, Sir Hiss. Sir Hiss was voiced by Terry Thomas, and he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Sire, you have an absolute skill for encouraging contributions from the poor. He, I don't think, has done anything else that I know of, that I can think of. But he was good. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't used in more Disney stuff back in the day because he just kind of he had a good he had a pretty good snaky voice for it. So he's pretty well, comical. He was in uh, he was in It's a Mad 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 World. That was a pretty big movie in '63. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my knowledge of '63 movies are. <laughs> not uh, I huge. I think he was largely um, a British actor, so I'm sure he worked a lot in Britain, but not a lot in stuff yeah. that we probably would have seen. Prince John and Sir Hiss um, are on their way to go collect taxes from Nottingham. And we kind of hear some things about, you know, this King Richard um, that apparently Sir Hiss hypnotized him and, you know, sent him kind of off to go fight this crusade, which would leave Prince John in charge, which Disney has a thing for snakes being hypnotizing because they <laughs> did the exact same thing in Jungle Book. Yeah. You know, was, didn't Ka have that same kind of eye thing? Like they just copied and pasted that. Yep. Into here. Uh, they actually, and just speaking about that, I've seen a YouTube video and I can't remember it. If if I can think about it, I will try to put a link to it in our show notes, which I don't do that kind of stuff very often. But there was a great YouTube video that showed reused Disney animations. Mm-hmm. And you just, I remember specifically seeing a bunch of the exact same reused Disney animations between Jungle Book, Robin Hood, and Aristocats. And yeah. it is a lot of the same people who worked on those movies. And so they're just like, all right, no, we got, I mean, they have to crank this stuff out, you know, fast enough because it is, you know, all hand-drawn animation. Right. And so, of course, they're going to do anything they can to help speed them up. And as a kid, you you don't remember that stuff. Yeah. I think there is one scene in here that I remember uh, reading. It's a small scene where they took some, some dance scene straight out of Snow White. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. Snow, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's much later when they, they get 
marion out there and they're they're dancing or doing one of the songs in like the sherwood forest i pretty pretty sure i remember exactly what you're talking about because that was in that was also in the uh disney cut so okay uh on youtube so yeah i'll put i'm gonna i'm gonna find the time i'll put that link up there because it is it is a pretty cool watch it also just makes you feel like fuck they're just doing the exact same shit for all of my everything's <laughs> rehashed in my in my childhood disney lied to me yeah but they're doing that now yeah, yeah, well, they're buying everything now, so we can't stop them. <laughs> you can't stop it. They're too fucking big. <laughs> and everyone's giving their money willingly so they can see Baby Yoda. <laughs> hey, I'm enjoying that show. Okay, I, I have not gotten Disney+. Plus. I'm on the fence. If I'm going to get Disney+, Plus, I'm trying to save a little money right now, so um because you know we're trying to we're trying to buy our own little baby yoda and or find one and so we need some money for that so i know i know it's only seven dollars a month but you know that shit adds up maybe i can steal from you john (laughs) no okay (sighs) anyway we get a uh a semi-funny reoccurring thing actually it starts off semi-funny and becomes really annoying to me uh where sir hiss mentions something about you know the queen mother and prince john immediately reverts to this like baby state where he's thinking about her thinks about her and grabs his ear and starts sucking his thumb mother mother always did like richard best (laughs) and i guess it's just to really hammer it in for the kids that he is just a, a whiny baby Mm-hmm. basically and he's not like a grown adult who thinks on his own properly or stuff like that but i will say i got pretty damn sick of the whole prince john sucking his thumb being a whiny baby act a little too too quickly yeah. well apparently that all that whole thing uh was a kind of a reference to the actual uh king john brother of king richard who was called king john the fool oh. um, who is who is known <laughs> for I, I guess uh kind of being crude and dim-witted and Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, I think they kind of played that up. All right, uh, which I appreciate that. But yeah, but I, I mean, also didn't need to happen so often. Yeah, it didn't need to happen so often. And, and you know, but I get it. This is not for thirty-three, almost thirty-four-year-old man uh, to to really watch and give a crap about. It's about kids, and kids kind of need to be bonked over the head with some stuff every now and then. You know, <laughs> and they like that stuff. It's it's silly. So, uh, all right, little John and Robin, they put on these female gypsy fortune teller clothes and they go try to you know they want to go trick that caravan to go get the money we do get an old sexist comment from prince john where sir hiss is being very wary he's like they might be bandits and prince john is like poppycock female bandits what's next (laughs) rubbish it's just like (laughs) okay (laughs) you know yeah i just thought it was kind of funny like oh women aren't you know they're so gentile um that they couldn't ever you know be actual bandits so i just thought it was a you know, it's a, a little bit dated. Yeah. Uh, so we get some good scenes here and I and stuff that I totally remember. I mean, I would say my nostalgia memory is definitely popping up where you, some of the scenes of um, Robin and little John taking the rings off of his finger and the, you know, sucking the gems off that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, that sounded really gross. Because <laughs> he kisses them off, not sucks them off. <laughs> well, how else would he get it? I mean, you have to use the power of suction, John. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you're getting too literal with this. And yeah, but you know they do a whole thing with like a crystal ball uh, with fireflies in it and whatever they they 
Uh, so they steal the money. Um, you know, funny thing of him, of little John stealing the hubcaps as well. But the funny thing is, hubcaps don't work like that on a, on a car. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, they try to move the cart later and they just fall apart. But, you know, I guess to a kid, kid doesn't realize hubcaps don't keep the car, uh, keep the wheels on the car. Well, maybe they did on the those wagons. Well, you know what? Then they should have been called rims and not hubcaps. But they weren't. That? But they weren't really rims because they were wooden wheels. I know wheels. they weren't really rims. But that's. Not a hubcap, then, I don't think. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a cute little thing where he has to, like, you know, uh, wiggle, wiggle. This them is up. what people want to hear from our podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was ripping apart. Well, are they hubcaps, John, or are they rims, or are they something else? <laughs> it's much more of a nut and bolt situation here if you really think about it. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. Also, something that I picked out on, which kind of annoyed me, uh, but yeah, you know, that's what I do. Um, somehow, you know, while little John is, you know, stealing the hubcaps and, and hopping around, he sneaks underneath the treasure chest and he, you know, he digs a little hole from it and, and steals the money there. But there were rhinos looking in that exact direction. <laughs> like, how how did he do that? It's not like they were holding the chest and looking in opposite sides and he could kind of sneak up from the side or something. They were all looking exactly where he came from. Well, I'm going to tell you, Adam, this is why they are trained soldiers. When they stand at attention, <laughs> okay. they look straight ahead and nowhere else. And not down. Okay. All right. There you know what? There you go, John. So when I start bitching about this stuff, you're just going to come with a counter bitch <laughs> and, and just figure out or find like a logical thing to shut me up so I don't keep talking about it. Is that is that how we're going to do it? That's about the size of it. I think that's about the size of it. Okay. Um, also, I want to throw out that wouldn't they notice that the weight of the chest has gotten a lot lighter? But, you know, whatever. That's just me. What's your logical <laughs> statement to that, John? I just want to talk about the movie. <laughs> okay, fine. Not the logical fallacies. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, Robin and little John, you know, there's a chase scene, you know, they're running away. Prince John ends up getting, you know, whining and stuck in the mud and breaks this mirror, which I I remember all of these scenes, all this stuff, you know, is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's in the back of my head. So seeing it again, just kind of flush, flood some of it back. Like I wouldn't be able to like give a beat by beat, a breakdown of Robin Hood, but like seeing it again, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, every single scene. Mm. But he breaks the mirror and then, you know, he says, oh, it's your mother's mirror. So again, sucking, <laughs> whining, that kind of thing. Oh, mommy. Uh, all right, we see Nottingham and we see all the taxed people. The sheriff is there and he sees Friar Tuck who is giving money to the people from Robin Hood and the sheriff you know, comes in and meet, we meet this auto old dog kind of guy with a broken foot. He does a good job. And the sheriff's, the sheriff's not completely dumb. No. He's dumb, just like every Disney villain. But he's not completely dumb because he figures out, you know, he hears the coins that are in the cast. And so he kind of, he's also kind of a dick, though. He right. raises up the leg and has then pulls it out. But, you know, he's just doing his job, John. He's not that evil of a guy. <laughs> I'm kidding. The sheriff's, the sheriff's a dick. Yeah. He's, he's a little power hungry. Yes, definitely. Uh, but he heads out and, you know, he's just kind of going around collecting the taxes in the town. And we see this, we meet this rabbit family, which, oh, fucking tragic, man. This one little new bunny named Skippy, you know, he, it's his birthday and he got a single farthing, um, you know, which he was all excited about. And the sheriff goes and takes that fucking, <laughs> that one one coin, uh, his only present, and he takes that as a tax. Which is just like, man, it's, it's a... Uh, 
The taxes are quite high in this place, yeah. it sounds like. Pretty much uh, everything you got. Yeah. Uh, and Robin Hood comes in. He He's there to kind of help, you know, he wants to spread the money and whatnot. We get a kind of a silly little line, but I totally like the way it's delivered, where one of the other little bunny girls says, Oh, he's so handsome. Just like his reward posters. Yeah. And it, it's, I thought it was pretty cute, honestly. Yeah. And he gives the rabbit, uh, Skippy, the little kid, a bow and arrow, uh, and he gives him his hat. He's just, he's being a, a good little superhero, basically. He also gives the mother a big bag of money or so, or a little bag of money. Yeah. We then see the kid rabbit, you know, he's off showing his friends and, and people the bow and arrow, and he ends up shooting it into the castle grounds. He goes to retrieve it, and that's where we meet Maid Marion and Lady Cluck, who is her handmaid, I guess, yeah. basically, or whatever. Do you have the same problem that I do where every time you hear the word or the name Maid Marion, I always think of Men in Tights, the song Maid Marion, <laughs> Marion, like every single time I hear it. Like, Men in Tights has completely, you know, focused that name to that song for me. Uh, I wouldn't say every time for me, but it, it pretty often it does come up. Yeah. Uh, Marion notices the kid and also the other cute kids. And uh, we just kind of see that, you know, Marion's obviously sweethearted person. She doesn't like Prince John more than anybody else. We learn that apparently her and Robin Hood were sweethearts back in the day. And, you know, they're even kind of poking fun at Prince John at time. It's a it's a cute little scene. Then we're with her in her tower. They're talking about Robin, her and Lady Cluck. Um, I'm certain this movie does not pass the Bechdel test because every time I see <laughs> Mae Marion, she's always talking about Robin <laughs> every single time. Um, but what I do thought was kind of interesting was so she says that King Richard is her uncle. Yes. Who we see later. Is a lion. So since she doesn't, she can't. She doesn't seem to be related to Prince John. It's not like her dad right. or anything. So my guess, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that her aunt, that her, yeah, that her biological aunt is the queen and married King Richard. So that's what she means by the. Uncle. That was my guess as well. Yeah, yeah. That's that's got to be it because she doesn't refer to Prince John as her uncle either or anything like that. So they just don't seem to have any relation. So that, that's that's got to be it. So uh, the king King Richard the lion uh, is banging a fox. Heyo. <laughs> Robin and Little John, we see them in the forest, and Robin's, you know, daydreaming about Marion, and, you know, we just see that they they still have feelings for each other, and Friar Tuck tells them about this archery tournament, um, and the winner will get a kiss, and so he's all like, oh, hell yes, a kiss from Maid Marion, uh, which he's apparently never gotten before, and so he's, <laughs> he's all super excited, and so he, he wants to enter, and to start off the tournament, we actually get some pretty good music. I like, I like the music that we've got going into it uh, that starts us off. And we do find out that the tournament is just a trick to catch Robin in public, in front of everybody. Uh, and Robin, of course, he loves he loves dressing up. He loves cosplay. Yeah. You know, is this is this where you got your love of cosplay? Because uh, Robin Hood, he does it all the time. Maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Uh, so yeah, he goes as a stork, and Little John goes as just a like a rich guy. It's a good little kind of back and forth that Little John has as his character getting Sir Hiss kind of kicked out of the royal box and 
quote-unquote befriending Prince John. I do always like the look. Uh, it's it's funny, and also the sound design is funny. When Sir Hiss, you know, he gets kicked out, he goes to the balloons, which I don't think helium balloons were around at this time. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> but he kind of pops his head into a balloon, and then he uses his tail as a little propeller, yeah. and you get a nice little cute sound as he's just flying around looking at stuff, because he's suspicious. He's rightfully suspicious. He's actually you know, the smartest of any of the villains. Right. Uh, it's just nobody listens to him, particularly Prince John doesn't seem to trust him, even though he's right about everything. So, but he's flying around. We see Friar Tuck chasing him around because he notices him and whatnot, and he's trying to stop Hiss from doing stuff. And uh, uh, Robin, you know, goes up and kind of reveals himself to Maid Marian, and, you know, they have a nice little look into each other's eyes. It's it's romantic. The tournament gets started, and Hiss figures out that it's Robin, but Tuck shoots him down. Uh, and they stuff him into an ale barrel, so which is kind of funny. We'll get that later. That get that later. I always remember him coming out of that barrel, mm-hmm. you know, super drunk yep. later. The tournament gets down to Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin, you know, as a stork. Uh, so Sheriff has this vulture guy help him, uh, one of his lackeys, and basically, you know, he he's cheats by quote-unquote, shooting the center of the bullseye. But then he also cheats by knocking Robin's arrow. But Robin is that badass that he can pull out another arrow in time to hit that one. And it writes the first one to go down and hit it dead center of the bullseye, which splits the Sheriff of Nottingham's arrow in twine! (laughs) Which is weird because it doesn't come in from... Uh, it doesn't come in straight <laughs> that at, at that angle. It comes down. Yes. And would not really split an arrow that way. But, it, but that's the power of Robin Hood. And anytime I see archery, I almost always think of <laughs> also men in tights and that line, he split Robin's arrow in twine. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's funny. He split Robin's arrow in twine. <laughs> So he wins from that, even though they hit the exact same spot. And I don't understand why he would win. Shouldn't they just keep shooting until someone is closest? But whatever. And Prince John outs him as Robin because, you know, that's that was the whole reason of this tournament and sentences him to death. Uh, but as he uh, is about to be beheaded right then and there, Prince John is threatened by little John. You know, he's kind of got him by the neck behind him, hiding, uh, got a knife to his back, uh, you know, to, to let him go, which he does. But then they have to fight their way out. And it's a whole little like fight and chase scene. And during this whole fight and chase scene, Robin asks Marion to marry him. So even though they hadn't seen each other in what was they said, like six, seven years, something like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're getting married ASAP. Uh, good for them, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, that's what is you the did. best way to do it. That's the way. You, that's what you did back then. They ain't got time. I, yeah, I guess so. Their their <laughs> uh, their expe- life expectancy back then is way shorter than now, so they ain't got time to waste. <laughs> I got to get going. And it's a pretty epic fight chase scene. You know, you get a whole bunch of stuff going into it, including a football run by Lady Cluck, which was always kind of funny, kind of silly for the kids. Um, and in the end of it, of course, everybody gets away. Mm-hmm. And of course, and I mentioned earlier at the end of it, we get Hiss coming out of the barrel, which I always thought was a funny little spot. We do get a song about love after they're all done. And, you know, it's a song for Robin and Marion. Love, it seems like only yesterday. You were just a child at play. Now you're all grown up inside of me. Oh, 
how fast those moments flee. And I never really cared for this song. I didn't care for it as a kid, and as an adult, I don't care for it either. I understand that, you know, it's just trying to push, oh, these two really love each other, but I'm just like, it's a boring song. Yeah, I'll admit, when I got to that part, I kind of just skipped through that whole scene. Yeah, I'm kind of, I mean... From from here, I'm kind of dozing for a little bit. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, not, I wasn't literally dozing, but like the the, the movie does kind of slow down here. Uh, I feel, but we then do get a little better, poppier song that comes right after this one, like pretty much right back to back. And this is with the people of Nottingham, um, and you know, it's being sung by Little John and whatnot. Um, and they're all talking about the phony King of England, and we see some like dancing and stuff like that. They're all making fun of Prince John. It's a it's a cute enough scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, the world will sing of an English king a thousand years from now, and not because he passed some laws or had that lofty brow. While Bonnie Good King Richard leads the great crusade he's on, we'll all have to slave away for that good for nothing John. Incredible as he is inept, whenever the history books are kept, they'll call. Him the phony king of England. Apart from the phony king of At the castle, the sheriff is singing the song we just heard. Apparently, it's become a big hit in Nottingham. Uh, and Hiss even joins in, which pisses off Prince John uh, and makes him raise taxes even more. Just even more of a dick because mm-hmm. no one had any money already. So, like, what the I, what's the point of raising taxes if nobody can even pay what they have? But he's just an asshole. Yep. But, uh, you know, these high taxes makes people go to jail if they can't pay. And so basically we got everybody in jail uh, and we get a pretty depressing song by the rooster of just about the times in Nottingham right now. <laughs> right. Every town has its ups and downs. Some towns ups. Outnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. It was a depressing little spot. Um, you know, it, it, it did his job, yeah. um, you know, to, to make people feel that we're at the, the low of the story for, for our people. I've always appreciated that song, though. I mean, just for its musical qualities. I think it's a very well-crafted song. I agree. You know, even though it's slow, I don't mind slow songs. No. This one I appreciate. You know, it, it fits better into the story than the love song did a couple songs ago. Right. Uh, this one, I agree, and it sounds good, and yeah, it has it has better musical quality. So yeah, ab- absolutely, it's a good it's a good point. At the church, uh, the sheriff comes in and takes this last farthing that was in the poor box given by the church mouse, and it just that's the last straw for Friar Tuck, and so he's just he belly bumps the the sheriff out, which was always a funny funny shot. Get out of my church! But he ends up getting arrested, and so now he's in jail too. Uh, Prince John is actually still pissed because Robin Hood hasn't been captured yet. You know they've gotten everybody else, uh, and he devises this plan to basically hang Friar Tuck publicly, which will hopefully draw out Robin from hiding. Um, which Robin Hood figures out the plan because he walks around as the poor blind guy that he did earlier. Um, he's you know, kind of talking to the sheriff and the vultures while they're setting up the gallows. Uh, and so Robin decides that he needs to set up a jailbreak. Uh, so Robin tricks the sheriff. 
uh, being dressed as Nutsy and kind of, you know, helping him get to sleep. He takes the keys and gets Little John in, who Little John goes in and starts releasing everybody. Uh, Robin sneaks into Prince John's bedroom and, you know, he's stealing uh, the bags of gold through this pulley system that they've done. Uh, this is all stuff that I totally, you know, remember and I, I enjoy the look of it yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, and little John's taken and the rooster, the rooster is taking the bags and, you know, they're all handing them out to all the people, even though wouldn't it make more sense to get all the people out and then get the gold out, right. or, you know, or whatever. Um, as opposed to here's your bag of gold. Now we all have to carry heavy bags of gold while we're running out. But well, I guess maybe that's just distri- distribution of weight to everybody there you go. to do their part to, to get it out. That's okay. There we go. I figured it out. <laughs> I, they, uh, I'll allow that one. <laughs> But, you know, as the people are, are sneaking out with the money, Hiss, uh, Hiss notices Robin and uh, sounds the alarm, basically. And we get a whole chase scene uh, and everyone gets out. Well, almost. The gate gets dropped. You know, Robin had to go back and grab this cute little little baby bunny and kind of bring her back. And he hands her through the gate. But now he's kind of stuck in there. Uh, so he's climbing up these castle walls and he sets the cat sets the castle ablaze, you know, and he's all getting, he's just running amok in there to try and get out. And he jumps down into the moat to get out and arrows are flying at him. And he goes down to try and, you know, not get hit by the arrows. We see his hat come up, his iconic Robin Hood hat come up with an arrow through it. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, John, he's dead. He just got brained by an arrow. That's it. And the movie. Uh, end of movie. <laughs> And cut to black, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, I thought that was a strange ending. Of course not. <laughs> he didn't die. Duh. Uh, he's swimming around with a reed as a straw so he can breathe. And, you know, he pops out. But, you know, Prince John and Sir Hiss do see him. You know, the prince is upset. And you know, I, I thought it was kind of strange how crazy Prince John goes. He goes nuts and just finds a stick and starts, as opposed to, like, still trying to hunt Robin Hood, he, t- he takes out all of his aggression on Hiss, which actually he did during the entire movie anyway. You know, he kind of punches him and clocks him with whatever um, every time because he's he's upset. So speaking of uh, Robin Hood hat, did you know that that hat has a name? I did not. It is called a bicocket. It's <laughs> a fantastic name. <laughs> which was a that style of hat, which was very fashionable in, in Western Europe from around the 13th to 16th centuries. Okay. 13 through 16. That's a long time in fashion. Yeah. Well, it, things moved slower back then. Yeah, true. You know, technology didn't didn't increase as fast as it does now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fashion changes every two months. Yep. I swear here nowadays. So uh, Robin and them all got away. We see, we then kind of dissolve to a later time. We see the rooster. It's kind of walking through Nottingham. We see the poster sign, but there is a pardon by King Richard on it. Uh, Apparently he has come back and everything is all kind of being good and back to normal, quote unquote. And he, you know, we see the, the bad people of Sheriff Hiss and Prince John uh, all in like this chain gang, basically. So they are all sent to jail. Uh, and then we get the marriage of Robin and Marion. And, uh, you know, King Richard now has an outlaw for an in-law. Ha ha ha, cute little funny line, which Robin actually mentioned earlier. <laughs> the, and the movie ends with Robin and Marion going off in their just married carriage. And there's a cute little jingle to end the movie. <laughs>
that's the end of the film. <laughs> I know I flew through it. There's not much to it. It's like yeah. an hour and 20 minutes. Um, you know, it's not like it's chock full of important plot points and very crazy, interesting anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to bring up, you know, there was good, solid animation. This was that 70s Disney strong animation for its time. You know, you go back and look at it and it's like, okay, yeah, I see the frame rate's not as much as I wish it would be and other stuff like that. And the animation is not as clean and crisp as you like. But you know what? We all grew up with tighter animation than this. Yeah. Um, but it is still very acceptable. You know, as a kid, I can absolutely put my head, you know, back into that space. And even as an adult, I can watch it, you know, because the story is still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're, we're kind of familiar with the Robin Hood story. and Yes. You know, the, the, this is the very much it, it in its basic form. But Yeah. I mean, f- for us, Robin Hood is nostalgic for at least three movies. Right. Between Men in Tights, Prince of Thieves, and this one. Like, we've seen this story told three different ways, and they're all nostalgic for us. And there's even more. And there's two new ones after that with Russell Crowe and then Taron Egerton. Yeah. It's not going to happen, people. <laughs> we, we're fine with our- I mean, it's fine. They're they're all fine movies, I'm sure. Yeah. I never saw the last two. I didn't either. But, well, yeah, let's go into our final thoughts. John, how about you start us off? Um, it is no secret that uh, I do in- enjoy this movie. I kind I very much have a nostalgic love for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a little slow, and some of these older Disney movies are a little slow, but I've always uh, kind of held them high in my heart. And if you listen to our Top 10 Disney, Disney Films episode, uh, you'll know that I ranked this one pretty high on my list, and uh, Adam did have it on his list but a, a mm-hmm. little bit lower but I think that was just a, a gap in our sort of generation and in years and because I remember watching a lot of these older Disney films before the renaissance happened with Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and Beauty and the Beast and all that stuff so I've always held them in high regard and I will I will always love them and, and never shy away from them. I, d- I get the same nostalgic feels for the movie. Uh, I would agree that it's it's you know of those older disney movies it's probably the best of that old guard you know that old disney guard this one i probably hold in in one of the highest nostalgic values for that i definitely liked it better than rescuers which we <laughs> watched but also currently i've grown past it right you know i i'd rather i'd rather watch men in tights or prince of thieves or even figure out the new ones if i wanted to watch the robin hood story again right. like you know i i liked it fine and this is a fine movie for kids i have no issues showing this to kids um you know and even if i was showing it with kids i would probably enjoy sitting there and watching the kids watch it Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing just to see like see them get any of the kind of joy that i that i know i got from it um so i would certainly show it to them and be happy with that but you know i'm fine not really watching this one again but i do appreciate it and and for nostalgic value i definitely still respect it all right All right, now we are talking David the Gnome, also known as the World of David the Gnome, also known as David El Nomo. Uh, (laughs) This show came out in Nickelodeon for us, for American audiences, 1987 to 1988. Originally, this was a Spanish animated television series uh, that was based on a children's book called The Secret Book of Gnomes by a Dutch author, 
Will Huygen, Huygen, not sure. And the program was originally created in Spain, and that's why it was called David El Nomo, mm-hmm. which I thought was cute. I had no idea it was a Spanish show. I knew it was Canadian produced. Right. So there was a Canadian uh, animation team. I can't remember what it was called, but they are the ones who actually like did the production of it. And so I remember that. I just thought it was a Canadian show, but mm. knowing that it was first produced for Spain was kind of interesting. Uh, there were 26 episodes, pretty much just like one, maybe two seasons. I can't even remember what it what it was, but 26 episodes is not too much. Right. I think I think it was split into two seasons for Nickelodeon, and uh, it first came to the U.S. television in 1987. It aired on Sundays on Nickelodeon and was part of their kind of like you know their fledgling Nick Jr. lineup uh, when that kind of first got started. Yeah. It was one of those old ones. I mean, back in the day before Nickelodeon started doing their own content, they would buy content from everybody else. Right. You know, I, I know we, we've kind of talked previously about what was it? Doug and Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats were the first like Nickelodeon animated originals. But before that, everything from them was basically syndication, was just purchasing a lot from Canada, it seemed. Yeah. Well, Canada was putting out a lot of children's programming, so it, it made a lot of sense. I, you know what? That's not, I don't find that to be that unusual, especially for a cable channel. If you, if you, especially nowadays, if you go and look um, on some of the sort of more obscure channels, you'll find a lot of them are just rehashing old shows. Which, you know, nowadays is fine because now I know now if there's a show from the 80s I want to watch, if I look on the schedule, chances are there's going to be a a television channel that's showing it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I used to be, not so much anymore, I used to be a big fan of the Food Network, kind of of in its, well, I would say it's heyday. But back then they also, when they first started, they were also doing a lot of that. They were mostly just rehashing food shows from other places. You know, very seldom okay. doing, not really doing too much of their, their own stuff. So I, that in itself doesn't really surprise me. Uh, for us, the English viewers, the this show starred Christopher Plummer as the narrator. The most wonderful thing of all is that this world is there, just waiting for you. So come with me to the world of the known which you would all know Christopher Plummer mostly from The Sound of Music. Uh, he was also in A Beautiful Mind. He's been in, I don't know, hundreds of things. Yeah, he's been around for a while. Yeah. Tom Bosley did the voice of David the Gnome. Oh, good evening. I'm David, son of the famous Tim of Uppsala. Welcome to our humble home. I'm glad you were able to make it. And he was in Murder, She Wrote for a little bit, but he was best known on Happy Days. He was the dad on Happy Days. Tom Bosley. And... That's there was yeah. there was a Family Guy joke that every time I hear his name makes me laugh. There was a there was a Family Guy joke about Tom Bosley. There there was Brian and Stewie are sitting on a plane and Stewie goes, Brian, is that Tom Bosley? You don't they don't show it. They just it's just him talking, and he goes, I think that's Tom Bosley. And he puts up a newspaper and then he puts it down. and goes Tom Bosley and then puts the newspaper back and he goes, Look, did he see? Did he look? And for some reason, I've I always found that joke to be funny. Hey, Brian, look, three rows down. What? Is that Tom Bosley? What would Tom Bosley be doing on a train in Switzerland? I'm, I'm almost certain. Tom! Did he look? I don't know. But if I yell, you have to watch. Tom Bosley! No, it's not him. Huh. It is. I, I guess I never, I've, I have heard that before, but I didn't know that it was, that that's who that was. That, that Tom, Tom Bosley. That's a pretty obscure reference. Like, who the hell that watches Family Guy also knows who Tom Bosley is? <laughs> 
Who knows? Uh, and then Lisa was voiced by the, uh, David's wife. She was voiced by Jane Woods. Yes, I remember that, David. It was that poor badger who was in trouble, wasn't it? Who she really didn't have anything that I particularly knew. <laughs> this show is, you know, about a little gnome guy, David, who is a doctor slash veterinarian and he goes around and he just helps different animals or even helps people um i watched a few different episodes i probably watched three episodes the first two and then i skipped the last one which i definitely want to talk about the last episode okay. if you if you watched that one i did not i did watch the first one and a couple more in the middle okay um, i kind of ran out of time i will say this though the very first episode actually does a pretty good job of setting up the world they basically just talk about the gnomes what are they I mean, like in detail, mm-hmm. how tall are they? It's pretty much like a fourth, like fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just talking straight to the audience about it, but it is, it's perfect for a kid, you know, just literally setting up everything about it. You're right. They talk about all the different types of gnomes. They talk about, you know, the, the different baddies or whatever right. that are around in particular, you know, that will meet the trolls later. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, it's, it's, it, they do a very good job of setting it up. You know, there's, there's a definite environmentalist and kind of like a hippie message yeah. with the show as David goes around and helps. Uh, different animals and just you know it's all about respecting animals and nature and whatnot which is perfect for a little kid you know it's super cute especially if you have a kid who's into animals Mm -hmm. you know speaking of that you know you've got a kid who's into animals did you by chance show her this this show no because uh the only chance i got to watch it was when i was in a conference at salt lake city you know in a hotel so basically at night as i was getting ready for bed i would watch an episode or two and that that was the only chance I got to. So no, I haven't sh- I haven't shown her this yet. Okay, you know, watching the show, there are definitely things that pulled me back into just wonderful nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Watching it, you know, the things that the first thing I want to bring up, which we both love, and both it made our top ten eighties uh, cartoon theme songs, yeah. which is that theme song, man. theme song it is it's so it's it's well sung you know it, it just musically it works really well it's 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 perfect you know there's something special there's something catchy and cute about that song that that obviously made us both love it it draws you in to want to watch the episode i, I think a good theme song can do that which unfortunately yeah. it, i found with a lot of shows from the 80s though even those shows that have good theme songs the shows themselves aren't necessarily all that great uh, in the long run. And I think our nostalgia for some of this stuff really just kind of stems from the theme song. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of mention this. Largely, I felt the same about this show. I found that show to be Mm. extremely Mm -hmm. slow, really did not keep my interest 
And I remember liking the show as a kid. I don't remember if it was like, I don't think it was one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it would, if it happened to fall into a lineup on like a Saturday morning or Sunday or whenever I was watching, I would watch all the way through it. But um, mm-hmm. I don't remember ever like seeking this one out. It was just sort of like, oh, David the Gnome's on. Okay, I'll watch this. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, maybe I just, I don't, I don't remember hunting for it, but I definitely remember being very nostalgic, mm-hmm. you know, fondness for the show. Um, you know, I want to, I want to call out the, the Fox Swift that he rides, you know, anytime that he's on that fox, you know, I just, I wish I could ride a fox, <laughs> man. That's fucking adorable. Yeah. The cute or the, uh, the very, very cute way that David and Lisa would rub their noses as they hold their hands behind their back. Like that's, that's freaking cute, John. It is. I think the show is very cute. Yeah. And it, and it holds that factor. Yes. Uh, for an overall quality factor, you're dead on. The animation is straight up bad. Yeah. Like it is just poor poor animation like just the the artistry itself is not that great they have tons of reused shots in it you know every time they are on on swift running it's the exact same shot over and over again you know it's very low frame rate drawings you know i do i like the design a little bit of the trolls and they're kind of nostalgic for me because those those evil villain trolls uh, who are so stupid and whatnot i mean really they get made fun of quite a bit like every time right. david talks about the stole the, the trolls he just talks about how dumb they are it's just like man you're you're kind of a jerk to these trolls. Now, granted, I know the trolls are like trying to eat them, right. uh, but still, it's just <laughs> funny. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, before I go into like my last final talk, and this is, you know, we, we don't need to s- sit on David the Gnome that much because, you know, it, it didn't last very long. It, it has its issues. Do you know much about that last episode? Do you remember much or remember hearing much about no, it? No, I remember you talking about it when we talked about the theme song, but I, I still have not yet watched it. Okay, so I watched it because I just, I remember, you know, kind of when we did that discussion about the show Dinosaurs, and the last episode was very depressing, Yeah, uh, where they're, you know, the Ice Age is coming, basically, and they're just, they go off, and like, they're, there's a whole newscast about, like, they're just gonna die, and that's kind of the end of the show. Very similar, super depressing ending to this show. So, David and Lisa have to head out to the mountains and beyond to go die. Because they know that gnomes only live, they don't live past the year 400, and they're both 399. Right. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's about the end of their time. And so they know it's the time to go out to the mountains or whatnot. Um, they say goodbye to all these animals, uh, especially at the end when they are at the top of the mountain and they're saying goodbye to Swift. It's just, holy shit, <laughs> is it sad. Like, I, I thought I was going to cry watching it now. Uh, I was just like, holy, if I was a kid, I would be bawling and you know they know their death is upon them and so that's why that's why they're going up there and to pat you know they're going to pass on to the new world and their bodies transform into this pair of entwined apple trees you know they they guess when they die they turn into trees because they're they they end up taking this other gnome who didn't have anybody with him i guess his wife died earlier or something and so he was just all by himself and so Part of it was like, you know, they're, oh, I love you. I've, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that we've had so many years together. And then I, you look at the other guy who has no one and you're just <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> I'm sorry, other random gnome guy. <laughs> you don't have shit. Uh, but he turned into a tree as well. Uh, but it was just kind of, holy shit. That, I mean, there was no doubt there was not going to be much of a uh, a sequel to this, <laughs> to this show because yeah. they're dead. They, they are now trees. All right. You, I mean, you've basically said your thoughts if you have anything extra I'll, I'll i'll mention mine first i think the show is cute mm-hmm. and i appreciate its cuteness 
I think it's perfect for watching with a little kid, you know, and I'm talking little, maybe even younger than, you know, your daughter. Like preschool, maybe kindergarten. Like, yes, like preschool. You got to be, I think like a four-year-old is right about perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, four or five at max. But other kids are going to get bored of it. I certainly was bored, you know, pretty quickly. I would watch it with a kid to introduce it to them and then kind of back away and hope that they could figure out how to use the the remote to watch it on their own. And, and that's and that's about it for me. You know, I, I'm chock full of nostalgia and the nostalgia is not hasn't been ruined by rewatching it. Yeah. But I definitely know that it's not a show I, I want to revisit, but I'd be more than happy to show a little kid. And it's on Amazon Prime right now, you know, so you can you can watch it for anybody who has Amazon. But, you know, for most people. Who most people probably don't even remember this show. Yeah, actually, the um, the YouTube channel for BRB International, which was one of the production companies, mm-hmm. um, has all the episodes on YouTube in fairly decent um, quality. Okay, so you don't even need to pay for a, an Amazon Prime subscription; just watch it on YouTube. That's good. That's awesome that they put them out there. I mean, it is the kind of show that you know they're not going to be making any other money from it. No one's buying those DVDs, right? So just put it out there and let kids find it and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah. There was a talk because when um, when the when that show came to the U.S., um, it was actually kind of uh, bought or it was helped along by uh, Miramax or a division of Miramax. Oh, okay. And there was a reboot in the works in 2015. It was just going to be called Gnomes, uh, and mm-hmm. that was right before the Weinstein scandal. And then once the scandal <laughs> hit, it was it's basically been tabled. Okay, and it was the Weinstein company that was doing yeah. it. Because because Weinstein owned Miramax, at the, I believe, at the time. I wonder if the Weinstein company, because they did have some gnome movies that came out, you know? They had, like, um, that Sherlock gnome movie. I wonder if they shifted to that instead or something. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe Weinstein wanted to go with David the gnome, you know, rebranding that because he knew that the Sherlock gnome movie was coming out. And it's like, it's, this 2015 is the time, is hot for gnomes right now. Everybody, <laughs> everybody wants that. I don't know. So, okay. Well, that's interesting. So uh, I'd say, you know, most people who know this one, keep it in the nostalgia. It's, you know, super cute. Maybe go back and rewatch that last episode because holy fuck, that will give you a crazy, you know, uh, appreciation for just how crazy it is at the end of it. And it might make you cry. If you want to, if you want to cry, have a good cry, go watch that last episode. There you go. (laughs) This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Mr. Bucket. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walking around, I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be casting a live-action version of the Image Comics superhero team called Youngblood. Now, admittedly, this was not a comic I read as a kid. Adam, did you ever mm-hmm. read any issues of this? I don't remember reading a single issue of Youngblood. Yeah. Uh, Image Comics was not one I spent a lot of time reading. I did read Spawn. I believe Spawn is Image Comics. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Spawn was one. But other than that, uh, it really wasn't. I was 
I'm pretty sure both of us were, but we're pretty much Marvel kids mm-hmm. with some Batman thrown in there. So uh, Young Blood. Actually, let me kind of we'll say this. Image Comics was started by Rob Liefeld and some other writers and artists. Uh, Rob Liefeld is known as the creator of everyone's favorite Merc with the Mouth, Deadpool, um, as mm-hmm. well as Cable and several other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of left Marvel uh, and uh, wanted to start their own comic book company, which they started in 1992 called Image Comics. And one of the first things that he worked on was this new team called Youngblood. I remember seeing just from my research that apparently Youngblood was the very first comic yeah. that produced under Image Comics, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, and and I kind of uh, not really got turned on to the team, but in my past year, I've really hit the the comics pretty hard. Uh, re- going back and, and visiting sort of the classic stories that I never read when I was younger, I've been revisiting a lot of stuff, as well as some newer stuff as uh, as well. Uh, and not uh, not knowing too much about MX Comics, I decided I was going to go back and, and read uh, Youngblood. And I decided, you know what, this would be a fun team to cast. We're always looking for different things to cast. You know, we, it's good to, to break out of the, the mold of just Marvel and DC. I will admit, uh, I've read, I read the first uh, sort of volume of The Trade. It's not good. <laughs> it is not very well written. Okay. Um, it was very slow to read. And, and maybe I'm, uh, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I missed something in it, but I had a very hard time getting through it. Yeah. My good friend Rob Liefeld is much more <laughs> known as an artist than he is a writer. So maybe that's because I think he was the writer on Youngblood as well. Yes. So that might have been. I, I did meet him one time. I, I remember. I remember you sent a picture. I was I was going to a burger place uh, for lunch when I was working in Orange, California, and he was there. And he I think he saw when he walked by, my eyes just got big. <laughs> and so he got in line like pretty much behind me and I just kind of turned I was like um can I can I get a picture of Mr. Liefeld <laughs> he was like sure buddy and I'm like thank you <laughs> it was cute ah uh, yes so. it is, it's fun when we get to meet the uh yeah the creators of our childhood so mm-hmm. the superhero team itself is sort of a a, a uh, it's a government sanctioned team um it takes place in the United States so it's not a created world and it has or the the members that we're going to do are the ones that were sort of uh, came out with the original issue or the first issue of the first sets mm-hmm. um, and they are the characters of Shaft, Bad Rock, Combat, Vogue, Chapel and Die Hard. And I am I'm not going to dive too deep into the characters. I'll kind of give you a description of them and kind of what their power sets are, but uh, I don't want to spend too much time, you know, blabbing about what the characters did or any of their backstories or stuff like that. So uh, hopefully you don't have any objections to that, Adam. No. Did you do any research at all on them? I mean, other than having to look, kind of look them up a little? I had to look them up. Yeah, I had to, I watched some YouTube videos just trying to explain some of them that I could, and I found mostly descriptions of each one of them, except for one uh, so I just kind of had to like look up his, you know, like a wiki on him and just kind of go after his look. But I was able to to mostly find stuff about each of them. But yeah, I, ha- I had to end up watching a couple YouTube videos about like, you know, telling me about the Youngblood team in general and uh, some specifically on on characters. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's kind of work backwards from that list. Um, we'll end with Shaft because Shaft is the leader of Youngbloods. Can I say that I'm having... <laughs> trouble not giggling every time you say the word shaft <laughs> it's 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 a problem just think of the the 70s black black exploitation film uh, yeah so whenever i say shaft just go funny. shaft who's the cat that woke up out when there's danger all about 
said this cat shaft is a bad mother. I'm done my shaft. So we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll work backwards from that list. So let's start with the character of Die Hard. Die Hard uh, is a cyborg. However, his, his image, he looks kind of like he's just wearing a superhero suit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you do see some kind of uh, nuance in the suit that kind of reminds me of Cable a little bit. You know how Cable had that metallic arm. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of that. Uh, the character uh, can has a blast power. Uh, he's good with swordsmanship and unarmed combat, which is a big, uh, must have been a big thing with Rob Liefeld because a lot of these characters are really good with <laughs> yeah. swords, swords and unarmed combat. Uh-huh. But I guess they're they're I guess well I was just say I guess they're trying to root it in reality, but one of them is an alien, so no. Yeah. <laughs> that's gone out the window. Yep. Um he has a pretty cool look to him. Uh I like the look of his suit. It's mostly uh white and blue with some like wet red rings around uh the wrist and, and stuff. And it's not even just a suit. He he is like a cyborg guy, right? He's got he's like part machine. Yeah. yeah. Uh he is part machine, although we don't really see which parts are machine there's not too much of the exterior because it, it's he's obviously has muscles by looking at the picture maybe maybe it was his shaft you're just you're getting tired of this podcast with me aren't you because i'm just i uh, i'm a dork and i know it no i was just yeah it was just a bad joke <laughs> uh all right so you know you need someone who you know maybe can do some some good action stuff. Uh, I don't remember the character taking off its mask or anything that often, so I don't think, so. It, I don't think it really matters. Um, although for a movie, you may want to show you know how he became a cyborg, so you want to you might want to put a face with it. Um, I'll go ahead and and jump in. Um, I tried, and I say tried initially to use some people I had never used before that didn't go mm-hmm. very well. I did end up kind of using some <laughs> people I have used once or twice. But for Die Hard, I went with somebody I have not used before. He's not really been in a lot of movies that I have watched. But uh, at your behest, I did go back and, and watch some videos of this guy as a kid. And he was a pretty damn good martial artist. And for my Die Hard, I went with Taylor Lautner. Oh, I like that call. Yeah, he was a badass little martial artist back in the day. That's a good fit. I, I, I definitely, he's got a good body for it. Yeah. And he's looked like he's beefed up a little bit, even from the, uh, even from the uh, Twilight days. Uh, you know, if the vampire can be Batman, there's no reason why mm-hmm. the werewolf yes. can be diehard. Yeah, I, I approve of that. Uh, yeah, I, I went with a guy, I don't think I've cast him before, but God, we've had so many castings, I'm kind of forgetting. <laughs> um, maybe you can't use this guy at some point or somebody else. That, I don't know. And he's a little bit younger. Maybe maybe, maybe not. He actually might be around the same age as Taylor Lautner thinking about it. Uh, he was he played the Black Power Ranger in the most recent Power Rangers movie. And he will be our new Liu Kang in an upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. So he's definitely also obviously leaned into the martial mm-hmm. artist kind of guy. I went with Ludi Lin as my diehard. Okay, uh, I did not see the recent Power Rangers movie, but uh, and I'm really not that familiar with him. But I mean, if he's got some martial mm-hmm. arts training, you know, with Power Rangers, there's no reason why he couldn't do this. So yeah, I just have never heard of him. <laughs> all right, that's cool. I will. Take I apologize it. for that, but <laughs> no, uh, no worries. All right, well, let's move on to Chapel. Chapel is a very interesting looking character. 
Um, he's essentially just kind of a pseudo super soldier. He basically is just a, a black ops soldier who uh, occasionally gets kind of uh, given things to kind of make him a little bit like a, a super soldier, give, you know, some chemicals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. He does look, he's got like a, like a big skull like painted yeah. on his face. Yeah. Like he, he is bad. At, he's probably my favorite looking character out of any of the ones um on on the young blood cast so if uh, if you uh, imagine a strong looking african-american african-american gentleman bald with like a vest and some tactical gear and then like just from the mouth up painted in sort of a actually reminds me a little bit of the way spawn is painted just a just a little bit maybe maybe i'm reading into that a little wrong um, and then just kind of paint like a white skull on top of him. And he looks pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. He does. So why don't you tell us who you uh, cast for this role? Sure. I saw that guy and I immediately picked one person. <laughs> I've used him before and I cannot even remember what. Maybe I can stall myself to try and see if I can remember what I used this guy for. And maybe I used him. Okay. I did not use him. But our buddy Corey used him as a character in our RoboCop reboot that we talked about mm. way back uh, a bunch of episodes ago. Anyway, I saw the look of this ba- this guy and I was like, oh, man, I want a badass looking dude. And you know who looks badass? M'Baku. Ah. So I, I picked Winston Duke from uh, Black Panther as as my chapel. OK, that I, I love that choice i really love that choice that's that's good i loved him as mbako i did not see what was that jordan peele horror movie he was in oh get out no it wasn't get out it was was he in get out oh oh he was in the was he no he was he in i i i haven't seen either that one or the new one okay the one that um that other one with us uh, us yeah that's that's the one i know he was in that one i haven't seen i'm just not a fan of horror movies yeah with uh yeah lupita nyong'o Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. He's in that one. No, but I need to see that one. Uh, no, I like that call. I like that call a lot, actually. Um, cool. He probably fits a, a little bit better than than my guy, but mm. uh, uh, I won't say too much. Actually, uh, I'm sure you're good. I'm fine. sure my guy could work pretty well. So I picked a guy who I've only seen in a couple of things, but I don't see any reason why he couldn't bulk up a little bit for this. He recently was in Bird Box. If you saw that with. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, he was in the Predator movie that came out in 2018, which I did not see because I've not trusted any new Predator Aliens movie since I saw. <laughs> no, um, not for a long since time. Since I saw what was the what was the one that came out? AVP. No. Or Predators. I haven't seen that one either. That was the one with Adrian Brody. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one either. Uh, but he was also in Moonlight. So he's got some good acting creds. Yeah. Uh, and I went with an actor named Travante Rhodes. Yeah, I I haven't seen I haven't seen Bird Box. He look if he beefed up just a tiny little bit, I think he would have a really good look for it. Actually, he seems pretty strong too. Yeah, and some of the other stuff. So yeah, no, I think good call. Okay, he's obviously a good actor. He's 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 working in some good stuff mm-hmm. right now. So yes, yeah, good uh, potential with this guy. Okay, all right. Well, let's go on to Vogue, who is our only female of the team. If you're going strictly with what was in the comics, the character is from Russia. Yeah, it's, it's almost a. Uh, Black Widow ripoff. Kind of, yeah, a little <laughs> not, bit. Not although, quite, but although kinda, she's yeah. got like kind of like a purple tinge to her to mm-hmm. her skin. Uh, she's got a little sort of I don't know if it's a mask or a makeup scheme on her face, uh, but essentially she's just sort of like a KGB badass. So yeah, just kind of like a 
uh, ripoff uh, in in abilities. It is listed initially. She was basically just a world class gymnast and skilled in hand to hand. Later, they did give her superhuman strength and endurance, but for this case, I don't think it needed to be it. So I will jump in with mine. I just kind of went with. I may have cast her in something before. I can't remember. But I'm just a huge fan of hers. I loved her in the Underworld movies, and I pretty much like her in everything I see. I went with Kate Beckinsale. That's Yeah, that's a big name. And maybe for like the only female character, you need to have someone pretty big to help raise up that character so she doesn't get lost amongst a sea of like just beefy dudes. Right. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale is fantastic. Uh, I, I like her quite a bit. She is, uh, she, you know, she was maybe the only thing of the more recent Total Recall movie that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> Everything else about that movie was trash. Uh, she is, you know, pretty badass. And yeah, I, I, I approve of that one. Okay. And who'd you go with? Uh, I went with someone who has done some, uh, she's not like a big martial art person, but she's done some action mm-hmm. stuff before. Um, she was in the show Dollhouse uh, and then also the show Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, but she is best known as River in the show Firefly and the movie Serenity. I went with Summer Glau. I think I think she could be a pretty good Russian kind of uh, assassin. I like that call. I actually really like that call. Cool. Um, I, I do like Summer Glau. I, unfortunately, I think some of the stuff she's in just doesn't last very long, and I really don't find that to be any <laughs> yeah. fault of hers. Um, mm-hmm. I find her to be a very good actress. But I, I like that. I like that. Uh, someone who's kind of, uh, you know, well-known in the, you know, I guess, in the nerd world, mm-hmm. in the sci-fi world. Yeah, she's got the nerd cred. So I think it would work well. And you know what? I, I mean, with the way movies are nowadays, you know, whether or not you can actually do some of the things you need to, that doesn't really matter. Find, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You can find no. ways around it. Uh, it would be nice. You know what? Maybe it'd be nice if they could do something with this where it was, they did root it a little bit more in reality. Um, although mm-hmm. the next character we're going to talk about, actually the next two characters we're going to talk about <laughs> does kind of negate that. Yes. Rooted in reality. A little tough. So... Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the next one, which is called Combat. I'm not really a fan of the name of this character. I figure, like, they could have come up with something a little bit better. Especially because especially he's an alien. Yeah. Like, what's his, you know, he is kind of a, uh, maybe imagine, like, a Viking elf with some, sp- mm-hmm. a little bit of space <laughs> yeah. armor on him. Viking elf, space armor. Yeah, but he's got, like, a, like, I would say he had, like, maybe not dwarf you know, like facial hair, but it kind of, he's you got know, a, some weird he's got facial like, hair. He's got some whiskers, like some big whiskers. Yeah. He is an alien, but joins the team again, like a lot of them. Basically, uh, he does have invulnerability and super strength, basically, and combat. Uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a <laughs> like I say, he's like a, he's like a space Viking. Really kind of what yeah. it is. <laughs> uh, so I'll jump in with mine. Because okay. uh, I went with someone who uh, I'm sure he's probably played a Viking because he is Norwegian. So he comes from that line of people and he sure as hell looks it. I went with Christopher Hibju. Oh, yeah. He played uh, Tormund Giants Bane. Yeah, I think I like your call better than mine. Uh, That's I a good think it one. was kind of an, uh, I don't want to say an obvious pick. I think it was a little, maybe a little too much on the money for him. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I fucking loved him as Tormund. Yeah. And, and even if it, even if this is sort of sort of uh, uh, typecasting him a little bit, instead of having to be a regular Viking, he's a space Viking. I'm all for that one. Um, actually, I kind of want to just say I'm, I'm go. I went with uh, Christoph Hivju too. How about that? Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually. I didn't actually, but I want to. Uh, I, I used an actor who I've actually used twice before, um, and, and I just I kind of rushed through combat one because I really 
I couldn't tell. Uh, he was the one character that I had trouble okay. finding much backstory and like, you know, other stuff about him and saw his look. And I was like, okay, you kind of look like an old, you know, you slightly look older with kind of whiter hair. You know, it's kind of like a gristled vet, you know, who's strong with stuff right. and he looked very beefy. So I went with the same guy who I cast in every grizzled vet <laughs> role. I went with Stephen Lang. Okay. Because I want to see him in more shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, that is a good choice as well. Yeah. So uh, when I was looking through Stephen Lang's, you know, current credits, he is apparently going to be credited or is going to be in all five or whatever of these upcoming Avatar movies. Uh, or they're supposed to be Avatars. They're planning Avatars at least two through three and potentially four and five was originally scheduled. But I think the Fox Disney merger has had them come back to just three for sure um but he died in the first one right. so what the fuck <laughs> uh, there was that huge massive knife that came through the mechanical armor thing or yeah. whatever but whatever anyway i like Stephen lang i want to see him more uh, he is a badass i could totally see him being a cool alien guy too so i like christoph hivju i think that's a probably more correct pick okay. and one that most people will probably go with but i mean i still like i still like Stephen lang okay all right and let's move on to the character of bad rock bad rock is a little bit of an interesting character kind of reminds me of the thing from marvel um a little bit of a wisecracker Mm -hmm. he he does kind of he kind of has the look of the thing he's basically a big kind of a rock monster um, although he doesn't have all the cracks and stuff that the thing has but bad rock uh is a 16 year old boy yeah, I know that was the kind of interesting thing. Like I, I was immediately just gonna be like, oh, I'll just find some deep voice and that'll be that. And then I learned more about him. I was like, oh, wait, it's a freaking kid. <laughs> so uh, for this one, and we may have gone uh, a different ways. I originally was going to find a kid. And I was like, oh, maybe the kid can do all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't want that. Um, I we will get, we, For the origin of the story, we can find a kid who can play the character. Mm-hmm. But I wanted, I was concerned about who was going to be Bad Rock when he becomes Bad Rock. Um, I didn't want him to mm-hmm. have a 16-year-old voice. I wanted him to have a gruffer voice when he, when he gets, uh, you know, when he gets turned. So I went with someone who maybe didn't expect because he's mostly known for being a voice actor. But basically, I, this guy is like a big kid. So he can put a little bit of that immaturity in there. He's got a great voice, and he can probably do the uh, some of the mocap stuff just, you know, for it. And I love the guy to death. I went with John DiMaggio. Oh, interesting. He's got a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can do every type of voice, anything that you would want. Uh, that's cool. I mean, I, I, hey, you know what? <laughs> love me some Bender. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, baby. I know it. No, that was good. That's cool. I like that. All right. Especially, I mean, this is, this is a definite CG character, yeah. and so you could go any route you wanted and i think that's that's a cool route that you went john okay cool i will take cool yeah uh i did go with the kid route i thought maybe you know yeah you'd see him um, but kind of be true to the character there maybe just you can pitch shift the voice a little bit and do some stuff to it to make it sound a little bit deeper and have him do something for once he turns into bad rock um so i went with an actor honestly i haven't seen any of his work but I have heard just from listening to the Dynamic Duel podcast, I've heard that this show is actually pretty decent and he has really good chemistry with his on-screen partner. So I went with uh, the kid Aubrey Joseph, who plays Cloak in uh, the show Cloak and Dagger. Okay. I mean, he, he's definitely, he obviously can play a kid. Um, he seems to be already into the superhero world, so I think that might be an easy enough transition to to bring him in as Bad Rock. No, I'd like that call. I admittedly still have not really seen Cloak and Dagger, 
My wife, how yeah. uh, my wife, however, has seen the show and really actually enjoyed it. She was actually kind of upset uh, when she found out that they were uh, that the show was canceled because she did watch all the seasons so far. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm hoping maybe with this merger, maybe they will bring them back because I do like the concept of the characters uh, of Cloak and Dagger. And mm-hmm. and you know what? For me, bring on all the comic book characters uh, any ways you can get it in. I just like being able to tie them all into one universe if if possible. I just I love the idea of you know, possible crossovers. Um, and I know they are being crossed yeah, over into sure. the new runway runaways, uh, season, but I didn't care for runaways. So I probably won't watch that either. <laughs> yeah. I don't care for runaways either to teen. Yeah. But I mean, I got to go, I got to go with the fact that she loves the show. So they, he's got to be pretty good in it. So uh, yeah, you know what, as it, that might actually work really well. Cool. Maybe we can merge the two. Although I don't know. If, I don't know if John yeah. DiMaggio sounds anything uh, like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, we'll figure it out. All right, cool. All right, and now to our leader, Shaft. Shaft. It's a real bad mother. Yeah, he is a, he's very much like a kind of a Hawkeye ripoff. He is a, an archer and a swordsman. Um, other than that, doesn't really have a lot of powers per se, um, but he is a good leader. Uh, the one thing that is interesting, though, I mean, and he does have kind of like a weird futuristic armor suit that he wears. His bow, and I forget exactly what the technology is, his bow has no string. And it has something to do with the, like the, the it uses gravity or magnets or something to propel the arrows. Yeah. I mean, he he is basically just like Hawkeye and Green Arrow, except he doesn't have a string. Yeah, <laughs> but but he has better better he has better tech weaponry. And, uh, and I can't remember if maybe it was technology they got from combats people or something like that, like the mm-hmm. aliens that have come in that have come down. But I mean, essentially, is what he is. He's essentially uh, an FBI agent who becomes the leader of this team. He's a marksman. He's a swordsman. There's not much more to it. Yeah. Um, so basically what you're looking for is this is the leader. This is going to be your centerpiece. You need an actor who can carry this movie. Yep. So uh, Adam, I'd actually like to hear yours first. I mean, that is exactly why I, I picked the person I did. You need somebody um, who I think can pull off a superhero look to him. You know, Shaft kind of has a slender archer look. Mm-hmm. And you got to go big. That's how I felt. You know, you got to pick somebody who could lead a movie because everyone else I got, you know, they're all good actors, but they're not leaders of, of an actor. And for a superhero movie, you do want to still have a bit of a name. Uh, and so I went with a guy who I don't think I've seen him in an actual like superhero role, which is just kind of funny because everybody's getting superhero roles because movies are being dominated by superhero films at this time. But he has got a perfect little slender body to him that. Never mind, that sounded weird. But uh, <laughs> but he does. And I think he would be perfect. He's got the look. And he's a really good actor, so he totally could do it. I went with Ryan Gosling as my shaft. A big name okay. right there. Yeah, that is a big name. Well, I was going to say I was concerned he's not tall enough. But eh, in this day and age, it doesn't really matter. They can frame it how, you know. He's not going to be a real superhero, yeah. so it doesn't matter. You know, they can frame it how. The, f- the first name... The first name I wrote down was Taron Egerton, and I was like, wait a minute. He just played Robin Hood. I'm not. It's too close. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Uh, okay. Um, you know what, Adam? You should have gone with your first choice because I did go with Taron Egerton. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You're typecasting. I don't give a shit if he played Robin Hood. First of all, I had no real interest in seeing that movie. In fact, when they announced that movie, my first question was, why? We don't yes, need another Robin Hood. And I know they tried to make it modern, but we didn't need another Robin Hood. And it's just a waste of Taron Egerton's talent. Um, you know, we've, we've seen him do, you know, we've seen him do sort of the superhero, the super spy role in, you know, the Kingsman movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't yet actually, unfortunately to see the Elton John movie, but I hear it's really good. Yeah. 
Me too. I, I still need to see it. And, you know, I mean, maybe we can just consider Robin Hood as a warm-up to him playing this. I think this... Yeah, there we go. In more of a superhero role, I think it would be a bit more fun. But I mean, the guy's... He's a really good leading actor. Yeah. Uh, he'd put put him around the you know, the right age. He's a young guy, but he's still old enough to be believable as an FBI agent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it'd be fun to hear him try and do an American accent. But that's I went with him. I know I've used him a couple times, but I didn't care. He worked well for what I was conceiving of as for this character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I obviously like that choice as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's no Ryan Gosling, but he's still good. <laughs> yeah, I. you know what? I'm not sure Ryan Gosling would ever do a superhero movie. He just kind of seems like that guy. Uh, he, he seems to like the art house stuff more. Yeah, he doesn't really want to dive into that. I agree. So, I agree. But um, either way, I, there wasn't anyone in your cast I think I I would have hated. So overall, I think you know, decent choices, for especially for a, a little-known superhero team. I would agree. So, all right, that was our casting of a Youngblood movie. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and I do our first live concert album with Fleetwood Mac's The Dance. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get